0: There has to be some common
1: sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Tim and Grant's there. We still don't know who pulled the trigger.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, and I'm a retired NYPD sergeant, 27-year veteran. And with me tonight, retired NYPD detective and straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. How are you doing tonight, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How are you doing? Doing very well. And I see uh, Doug Bishop is on deck. He's in the bullpen. And, uh, Doug, I'm glad you. I'm going to put you right on the screen right now. Doug, welcome to the show. Great to see you.
2: Likewise, thanks for having me on, gentlemen.
0: Welcome, Doug. Doug, you know, it's uh, I always see when that great beard you have. I always think of uh, ZZ Top. You know, you play guitar. (laughs)
2: Um, I do not play guitar. Uh, I get the ZZ thing a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, you you could have stood in for him, but then if you didn't play, (laughs) you know. But it's uh, so you know we've been following uh, you guys um, obviously since the uh, the recent cases. And Mm -hmm. we just want to say the amazing uh, work you guys do. And we've said it numerous times on our show that you guys do God's work. And uh, we have another, uh, you know, of course, um, uh, Midwest Equus, those guys, same kind Mm -hmm. of thing. They recover people. They provide closure for families that otherwise wouldn't have it. And the police can't do it all. And the private sector and uh, organizations like yours, they fill that void where the police don't have the manpower. They, they, they may not have the talent, the ability, the uh, the money. They may not have the training to do it. And you guys fill that void and you do it very well.
2: Yeah, thank, thank you. That that That's absolutely very well said. Um, you know, volunteer organizations can be critical in what law enforcement is able to do as you see it with us. Um I, I I do think there's a definitely um some professionalism that has to come along with it and and so forth. But like you said, you know, there's a lot of times you you the departments don't have the resources or um you know it's it's funding issues dealing with you know um numbers you know that are in the department and so forth and all that other stuff that's going on right now. Or Uh, There's resources and just um, a lack of expertise with those resources.
0: You know, 100 percent. We had um, uh, a retired NYPD detective, Mike Carew, on our show, who was also a master diver. He was a former scuba diver, but he owns a dive shop in the Bronx on City Island. And he was very impressed with you guys also. And he said that even, you know, like there's problems with policing in in. Well, chain of custody, that's a problem. And wh- when whenever you recover evidence, the police really have to recover it. Because mm-hmm. because if the case becomes criminal, they will have to testify to it. So yes. that's where they would have to work alongside you guys and set up some kind of protocols to use in the event. Well, they every case you have to treat as if it mm-hmm. is going to be a criminal case.
2: Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Until proven otherwise, you know, it's, it's always worst case scenario because like you said, you got to protect that evidence in case it has to be, uh, you know, used against someone in in, in a court of law.
1: 100% Phil. Yeah, we don't uh, advocate many, uh, volunteer groups, so to speak, but between you guys, uh, Dave Rader that works with Midwest Equus. Uh, You guys are obviously professional. I uh, watched some of the videos. You guys did some fantastic work in recovery of vehicles and, and giving closure to families I uh, can't say enough about it. Uh, and again, you guys are volunteering your time. And I think the critical thing is, is that a lot of the police departments around the country just don't have the manpower, as you said, Doug. Uh, a lot of us, they're small police departments, and they don't run into these type of situations where they have to look for a vehicle, let's say, in a, wa- a body of water or something like that, whereas the larger police departments like the NYPD, we have a unit that's specifically assigned the, the school unit, the harbor unit they work in. They're, uh, you know, they handle the waterways and they have the scuba teams. So again, they practice, they drill a lot and, uh, they probably have a level of expertise that, uh, would probably come in close to you guys. Obviously you guys had the better equipment in this. That you guys uh, recovered uh, the victim vehicle. So again, uh, it's not that the police departments don't want to, you know, find these uh, people or, or conduct these searches. They have the uh, the manpower sometimes to do it, but they don't have the technical equipment a hat tip and uh salute to you guys. Uh you've been doing some great work. And uh it's really, really uh important that you are out there. We really, really and I think everybody that uh around the country should uh, really appreciate you guys and all the work you do.
2: And thank you, Phil. Uh th- that means a lot. Um you know we we highly respect what uh the NYPD you know harbor unit there they're like among the top in the world at what they do. Um but you know you guys have, you know, a $13 billion budget. And um, that that's huge. These these most of the country, they don't have that budget, you know, sure. and they're they're their penny pension and the, the personnel doesn't exist. Um, but I can tell you most of, of the time, you know, when we come into these cases and where we have these discoveries, you know, the uh the authorities are electing to utilize us to command the um the evidence removal or extraction of the vehicle due to like what you just said like we do this all the time so what they understand yeah they got a great dive unit but they understand also that their dive unit may have you know never recovered a car on this level when it comes to protecting evidence in a car or may have only done it a few times which is great because we're there to help be a resource for free but also uh, share what it is we do and how we do it. It's, a, it's not a ego thing ever with us. And um, it's great to work along, alongside law enforcement and helping them in these situations and uh, also teaching them. We're, we're getting into a lot of that as well because what we do is, is rare. It's unorthodox too. Um, it's out of the box style of, of doing things with some of our tactics. And uh, it's really refreshing to see so many agencies reaching out and wanting to learn.
0: You know, Doug, one of the things that I was uh, that I wanted to ask you, um, and I won't refer to the, the case that you um, when you clear when you clear a body of water, mm-hmm. how how are you satisfied that you've searched that to the best of your ability and that. What you're looking for is not there so what are the steps what are the parameters in declaring this body of water is cleared
2: you know 99 percent of the stuff that we search we are amazingly confident that we've cleared it 100 um, you know there are specific types of water that uh, has you know an extreme amount of growth per se and, and you, you just can never be 100 in a body of water like that however we're really good at manipulating the sonar systems to give us good imaging, and uh, you know we're we're fully prepared. We and we also understand that no matter what we do, it's a successful search uh, because if we're not finding something what we're looking for, we're ruling it out. Uh, so it means a lot just to rule an area out. If we can come to town and work with a detective or a family and eliminate areas in a case, that's a huge step forward in that case. That that case those connected to the case the family and those agencies can now apply resources and you know manpower in a more efficient way elsewhere to to better serve the case you know so it's so when we come in and we rule something out we we feel really good about that that's a that's a huge success
0: you know, Doug, that's what investigation is. It's process of elimination.
1: Absolutely. I eliminating <laughs> process. Yeah. Yes. I, mean, I say that a
2: lot. I say yeah. that a lot because we can go from, you know, there, there's cases. I mean, there was a case, you know, last uh, month that when we searched 72 bodies of water in two days and, you know, I just kept telling my wow. guys like, look, this is a process of elimination. Every body of water that we rule out here is one step closer to helping provide answers in this case, you know, on to the next, on to the next, ruling it out. It's like, I I love that term process of elimination.
0: Uh, Absolutely. You know something that, you know, when we talk about investigative checklists, sometimes you may not wanna do one of the steps in the checklist, but guess what? What, That's what we're talking about. That's how you eliminate possibilities. You know, we just had that horrible case in Memphis, Eliza Fletcher. Horrible. I mean, I felt like I was back in homicide working that case. It really hurt my heart, that case. It really did. And the point is, in the beginning of that case, they were looking at the husband. Mm -hmm. And now, when we learned what happened, we (laughs) ruffled some feathers. Sorry, but you know something? If they didn't do that, they would be remiss in their duties as investigators.
2: Yes. Yes. You know, and in in that scenario... um that's always going to be the case unless there's evidence directing the investigation elsewhere. Next of kin is going to be, um, obvious number one target person of interest, uh, best friends, you know, the person closest to that individual. Cause a lot of times in those cases, it, it is somebody that knows the victim. Uh, and that was, but, but hats off to MPD and the FBI, man, they were on that. They, um, they had that suspect within 72 hours and, um, even my even myself, you know, I thought that, hey, this is a really suspicious case. We have an heir, heiress to a billionaire fortune, billion dollar fortune. So that in itself leads you to that rabbit hole and having to clear that. But outside of that, man, the guy, you know, he, he was caught on camera. They tracked him through intersection, through intersection. Um, they had the evidence her phone, you know, her water her water jug, her shoes there at the scene where he took her, and they were able to track him to his residence and then track his phone through the neighborhood right with right. the house where he dumped the body and they got there and they were able, they were instantly able to see the tracks in the yard and they could unfortunately smell the decomposition. And, uh, that was, that was huge and in, in invest investigative effort, There, success and come to find out now he's, he's just a really, really rotten individual bad. Yes. individual. He's connected to another rape already. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if it there aren't more, you know. You know, Doug, Hopefully, I did a
0: I did a um a show the other night on that because there was a rape kit that was submitted on September twenty first, twenty twenty one, and it it actually was handed to TBI on September twenty third, and it sat on a shelf for months and months untested, hmm. and it didn't. It came back forty nine months later. To the defendant who killed Eliza Fletcher and had that been put in as a rush he may have been incarcerated he may have been arrested and like you said he probably did more rapes that we don't even know about Mm -hmm. because they went
1: unreported
2: Yeah, he he was
1: out for two years what was he doing for two years he wasn't a good boy for two years
2: no no especially when you take into the, the testimony that come forward from people in the neighborhood and Uh, his demeanor towards you know his neighbors and young women there
1: absolutely
2: right Um, I mean that's I I would expect that to come out because I'm sure they had him they realized he was the culprit he's a bad guy what else has gone on in this area and they tied that crime and hurry up and had it tested and um yeah it's that's, that's a sad sad case really tragic unfortunate circumstance you know anytime somebody loses their life it's it's tragic but you know, she just, she just wanted to be out exercising. You know, it's it's, it's a shame. Yeah, you know, she's oh.
0: what we would call in the homicide business as a real victim, too. She oh, yeah. was a real, you know, not that there's not real victims, but she was a mom. She was yeah. a kindergarten teacher. 100% a, innocent. 100%
1: innocent. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly. And, yeah. um, you know, I'm amazed. And, and whenever we cover these cases, and I always say to a lot of people here, and I get, I get pounded by a lot of people that want to, look, people wanted to write a book on that case about what happened before the evidence was in. You know what I mean? People are already making up scenarios. Oh, the ransom is going to come in. You know, her husband hired this guy. You know, there was all kinds of nonsense, you know? And I said, look, the lady is missing, but let's wait for the evidence. There's evidence. And I was shocked and amazed, frankly, that the DNA came back in 18 hours. That is unbelievable. That was super quick.
2: Yeah, that's the that that's the power of having the FBI involved, and in, and in such a high profile case, because mm-hmm. if not, you guys know it, that stuff can take a long time, yeah, a long time, and uh, that's just it's uh, it's always great. It's a bad thing when you see the FBI involved, but it's a good thing because uh, <laughs> they got the money, balls. they got the big yeah. bucks. Say it, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're deep not deep
1: pockets, like, but not the. Yeah. Great- Not the greatest of uh, investigators, but we'll talk about that another time. Right,
2: right, right, right.
1: You know, I wanted to make a point about when we eliminate suspects or eliminate people as being involved in the case, that's really, really important for the prosecution. And that's down the line. You make an arrest on something. And a lot of times a defense attorney will bring up, well, did you look at the husband or did you look at this individual that, you know, sometimes in an investigation, it could be pointing in one direction. And then you go in that direction when you see that, uh, person has an alibi and you declare that person not being involved in it. That's very important because now you go down the line two years, you make an arrest on a case, you go to trial and the defense attorneys, all they have to do is bring up uh, a little bit of doubt, reasonable doubt, Uh, Whether a person is responsible for and committed the actual murder or the case, whatever it is. And you can find where, uh, you know, they'll say, well, did you look at the husband and you could say, yes, you know, we did, uh, you know, intensive uh, interviews and we backed up his story and we backed up his alibi whatever the case may be. So those things even though they don't seem like they're that important in the beginning of the case when they really are they're they're important to the whole case because of the fact that down the line you get a defense attorney might let some guy walk on a technicality because of something that wasn't done. You know, a, a simple follow up, uh, you know, someone gives you a story, you need to follow up that story, corroborate it, check that uh person's alibi or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. again, those things that we do in the beginning Uh, usually like we said, a lot of times on homicide investigation, it's someone that was close to the person. So we will talk to the person that reported it, the husband, the wife, or some close relative to try and get a story. And then we'll corroborate their story. And if everything checks out, then we go in the direction that the investigation is taking us. And that's just, you know, practical homicide investigation. Yeah. You know, Doug,
0: I just want to also talk about, um, that fine line you guys walk between what you do and maybe stepping on law enforcement and i recognize that and i appreciate what you do and i think you guys are very very careful not to step on anybody and i think that but i look i worked in law enforcement for 27 years i know how hard some people in law enforcement are to get along with yeah. and how unreasonable some people can be but you guys have to walk that because. Basically, you are guests in the crime scene.
2: 100%. Uh, we are guests and we understand that. Um, we also, we, we take what we do very seriously. So we're, we're, we're trying to professionalize it. Uh, we see a future in it. There's a lot of good comes from our skill set. Thankfully, with the success that we've had, law enforcement all over is realizing that. Um, if, if, if I have a scene and I've called police in, And if if I have five representatives there, three of them know who we are. And that, that helps a lot. It helps a whole lot. And, um, it's, you know, we're pro law enforcement every step of the way. Unfortunately, unfortunately, man. And I hate it. No matter what we do, when we find somebody there, there comes a level of, um, controversy. How, how come these guys found it and you guys couldn't, whether it's two weeks or 30 years, um, we bring that to the table and that we don't want to bring that to the table. And if there's any agencies out there that are listening to this, understand like this, that is never our intent. We don't ever push it. We shy away from it. And if you've ever been on scene with me, when you arrive, I let, you know, straight up, but like, look, you're here. My cameras are here. Please don't be weirded out. We are 100% pro law enforcement. We're here to make you look good every step of the way. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is what we're capable of. And you know, they really, really respect that when they when, when they come on, you know, c- cameras can be can be an issue, obviously, especially in a crime scene. Um, but once you watch our episodes, you, you know, you never see anything you're not supposed to see. You never hear conversations that aren't supposed to be heard. And it, it all comes out very respectful on the back end to protect the law enforcement and the families as well.
0: And Doug, you're walking a uh, tightrope with that. You really are. And I appreciate it. I watched a lot of your uh, your cases, previous cases, mm-hmm. and I respect the talent. I mean, look, <laughs> I'm no diver. <laughs> I would never be a diver. But that's a talent. I'm even Mike Carew, we had on from the NYPD, he was like, look, diving recreationally is a dangerous sport. It's a dangerous sport. You have to you know, use your head. You have to have the right equipment with you. He, mm-hmm. And he told tales how at least three times he almost died. And one yeah. of them was yeah. the stupid thing. He didn't bring his scissors with him. He was in six feet of water that
1: time. Yeah, yeah. And he got yeah. wrapped he with, a with a wire. Six feet
0: of water, yeah. Yeah. Wire yeah. got wrapped around him another time. It was fishing
1: time. wire, wasn't it, Bill? Yeah, fishing yeah. And he couldn't. That, it, it, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: That high test fishing line is no joke. Um, it was. I've I, I've I've been tangled up so many times. Uh, I dive with three knives. I dive one on on each of my legs. And I have a dry suit hose that comes out of my chest. And I have a knife right there as well. So thankfully, knock on wood, anytime that I've been tangled up, I've been able to free myself because I'm able to, one, the most critical thing about being underwater, especially in low visibility and being caught up or tangled, is don't panic. Remain calm. Realize how you got to where you are try to back yourself out or undo yourself or calmly, you know, get your, get your scissors or your knife. My, my knife has a scissor mechanism in it, extremely sharp and, you know, you cut your way through and, um, you also have to be really trained in, um, being willing to come out of your equipment and surface because you're not always going to be able to get yourself untangled. Um, I had, I had that happen to me in Philly when I was working with, uh, the Delaware County PD, on the James Amabile case, we had a three million dollar crane that we were diving on, and with rigging dropped down over me, and I was tangled up in the chains and the and, and the and the straps that were there. And there's no cutting out of that. And it was a scary moment for me. And I thought I was gonna have to tell the crane operator on my comms to lift me out in the rigging. That was, but thankfully I was able to get free. My, you know, my mask was ripped off, and I lost a fin, but.
1: How oh, deep were yeah. you, Doug? How deep of water?
2: Uh, that was 24 feet. Well, wow, that's uh, deep enough. <laughs> yeah. And then this is the v- extremely low visibility and in a strong current. And, uh, you know, when I went in with the rigging, the current just braided me up in the rigging. And it just, you know, it, it, you can't always foresee everything in a recovery, especially one to that magnitude. Uh, we were going down and we discovered this vehicle had been, you know, this James Amabile had been missing for 19 years. He was on his way to pick up his two daughters from the babysitter and vanished. And I discovered his vehicle two miles from his home and they built a marina on top of him. They drew, they drilled a pylon that's connected to holding the marina up through his vehicle.
1: Oh my God.
2: Yeah. That's, that's why we had to bring a crane in to get the vehicle out. Um, Before that though, I was able to go down and, um, uh, my, Anthony, our, me and Anthony were able to go down and uh safely remove his remains out of the vehicle prior to the recovery. Uh, because the recovery we couldn't, you know, we couldn't rely on how the recovery would go with a pylon through the vehicle. How long was he missing for, Doug? 19 years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So 19. 15 years prior, they could have found him had they known they were drilling through the vehicle. Uh, but you know, those those hydraulic pylon machines are so powerful that it, yeah. it never knew the vehicle was there. It might have had a slight hesitation at first, but it's normal because they're used to working their way through bedrock and stuff like that.
0: Now, Doug, when you get your team together and you go on, let's call it a mission, you go on a mission to uh, mm-hmm. to find someone. Do you have like actually skull sessions and you sit down and you map everything out and you assign each team uh, a different area and you uh, work cohesively as a team or do you work separately?
2: Um, it, typically, we work by ourselves. Um, so we're, it's it's A, a we're, we, we have family there that we, we come into, and not to sound arrogant, but we come in like nothing's ever been done on the case. Nothing's ever been searched. If we haven't searched it, it hasn't been searched. And we come in with a fresh set of eyes and meet with family. We meet with detectives if we're able to, and go over the facts of the case and um, get all the pertinent details and really try to develop a, what, what the professional term is a lost, lost behavior profile. A lost person behavior is critical to define when you're searching for somebody. What are their habits, characteristics, places of frequency that they went to, significant other locations. And we put all these interests on a map and then You know, do we have a last known location? What's our X factor in this? Do we have cell phone data? Do we have, you know, their last financial transaction or, or so forth, just really break it down. And then we'll set up a radius. And then we'll identify the uh, bodies of water within that radius uh, that is deep enough to conceal a vehicle. And we'll just go at it. Um, Some areas are very easy because they'll only have one or two uh, waterways. Uh, You know, you get down to Florida and Every turn you make, there's another body of water, whether it's in an HOA community or on the side of the road or it's a lake, it's a river. um, Or you could get up into Wisconsin where there's hundreds of prairie holes everywhere on the side of the road. Um, So it's it's uh, it's all happens and unfolds organically for us when we come in.
0: You know, Doug, what you were describing is a lot uh, the same uh, or similar similar to. In a homicide, we list something called the victimology, and that's mm-hmm. the study of the background of the victim. And what you were describing is very similar mm-hmm. to that. We want to know what are the victim's habits, their, uh, where, where they particularly go, vehicles they own, jobs they work, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, financial situations. And in, in the victimology, somewhere will be the answer to the
2: case. Most yeah. of
0: the time, most of the yeah. time.
2: And, and 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 where we're focusing on finding out the where, um, a, a lot of times us theorizing the why leads us there. Like if if I know I have a case, like the cold cases are cold because there's nothing else to go off of, you know? Um, I know, okay, if I can find out, did, did she have a boyfriend? Because that could tie me into a whole nother area to search. Oh, there's a boyfriend's home. Well, let's set up a radius around the boyfriend's home and go that way. And he may or may not be a suspect, but- all like yeah, I, that that what you refer to as victimology is you got to really understand the person, their environment, and those in their environment, because uh, that could lead us to a, a a really good search area.
0: Yeah, it's funny how different disciplines sort of use the same, <laughs> uh, you know, the the same uh, technology
1: and the same. But different
0: verbiage, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, the same yeah. approach, different
1: verbiage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> quite impressed. I watched the uh, the I think you the video with Alyssa this family and I was impressed with the questions that you guys asked. I mean, it was right on par with uh, very similar to things that we would be asking. So mm-hmm. it's impressive.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I mean, we're just normal guys. We have a little bit of common sense and we try to learn. Every case is different. Every case is a learning experience. And we don't ever act like we know it all because we don't know hardly anything compared to what we what we have the ability to learn outside of what we know. And you know, anytime I get a chance to talk to you guys or anybody else in law enforcement, I'm like I'm like a sponge. You know, I, I know it's critical knowledge that I know nothing about. And any chance I get to, you know, whether it's receiving criticism or uh, just somebody saying, hey, you should you should uh, say things this way or you should learn about this. This will help you. Um, I, I get a lot of um, uh, representatives with agencies that will send me uh, like. PDFs of stuff that they have from classrooms and 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 stuff like that. And it's uh, it's it's all great, great. Um, literature to read and learn because I guess technically when we are working these cold cases, I mean, we are kind of, we're we're doing detective work per se. Uh, so it's, it's the more we can learn the the, the better I'm all for it every step of the way.
0: You know, Doug, if you go through life as with the posture that you're always a student and never a master, you'll always be open to learning new things. You know, I, that's how I think I used even when I used to teach college, I used to tell the students, you guys could teach me as much as I could teach you. I'm sure you know a lot of things that I don't know and I yeah. hopefully I know some things that I'm going to teach you but you know it's the people that refuse to learn or think they know it all those are the people that are the hardest to deal with
2: yeah my yeah, my he- eyes and my, my eyes and my ears are always open 100%
1: you, you said something that was critical, Doug. You said every case is different and you want to learn on every case. That's really, really important because if you have, if you go into something with a predetermined idea of what took place, I mean, listen, you're going to have some information. You got to have a direction, but if you're, you made up your mind and you know where this is going, that's not a good way to look at uh, something like a missing person or uh, these type of cases, a homicide even. So having that uh, kind of thinking that, you know, this is a new case. It's not like the old one. It's different. And you're willing to learn. I think that that's really, really smart. And that's a positive way to look at it.
2: Thanks, man. Thanks.
1: Doug,
0: I'm going to um, I'm going to pull up just a a little bit of your video on Mm -hmm. the um, Jalissa Fuentes case. And it's sort of be the introduction to this. Uh, Let me let me put this up on the screen.
2: Jalissa's last recorded financial transaction is as well as the last confirmed sighting of her and or her vehicle occurred. We are now going to jump right over into meeting with Jalissa's aunt, Jalissa's cousin, and Jalissa's mom so we can get an idea of who Jalissa was as a person as well as the circumstances leading up to her disappearance. We really appreciate you guys being here and being brave and courageous to tell Jalissa's story. And that's, that's what we're here to do is be a voice for Jalissa and draw awareness to Jalissa's disappearance. Two weeks old. There's still so many possibilities in this case. And um, I don't want to find your daughter. I don't want to find your niece or your cousin. I don't. Um, we want her to still be out there. I want to be able to finish doing what we do and say, you don't have to worry about any of this. You guys can focus efforts and resources in a more efficient manner elsewhere. You know. So uh, I'll, I'll let Nick get started with you know some of the questions that we need answered and and it'd be really easy you know at any point if there's a moment we need to take a break you know just let us know
1: okay thanks like Doug said we appreciate this this is going to help us so to start this off what we're going to need to know is kind of a little bit of history on Jalissa and her background so if you can kind of give us a history of like where she was born where she was from where did she go to school what kind of girl she was, what did she do for fun, possible relationships she had, things
2: like that. She was born here in Salma, California. She went to school here. She graduated, but two, three years ago, mm-hmm. she's 22. So yeah. <laughs> three years ago, <laughs> you yeah, know, she graduated, she graduated from Salma High three years ago. Jalissa liked to be with her family, um, spend a lot of time with her cousin. So her cousin knows that, she, that area more. Yeah, she's a very, um... Like, if she's around, you can't be sad. Or you can't be mad. You can't hold grudges. She would be like, get over it. Like, you're going to get over it. Get over it. Like, we're family. Leave it alone, you know? If you're, like, sad, you're most definitely going to laugh if she's in the room. Because she's a very, like, sarcastic person. Very sarcastic. She can't take anything serious. Like, she's always joking about something. If you're... Matter whatever she make a joke and you'll start laughing. You, it's just always a good time when she's around. You know, life at the party. Yes, yes sure. definitely. Yes, she'll, she'll definitely dance. She'll dead. dance. Yeah, yeah. You know, Put on this silly hat. She'll put on this silly yeah. hat. Do a little. I don't know some of the videos that I put up of her. She's doing like a little dance and then yeah. she's telling all her brothers and you do it. You do it. She's very carefree. Like she don't. She doesn't care what anybody thinks about her or what anybody yeah. says about her. You know very dependable yes. very she's a worker bee you know mm-hmm. she yes. wouldn't miss work that's why we knew too when um you know when she went missing that that monday morning i, I went to her job and waited out there
1: just in case she him. showed up
2: just in case she showed up to work you know yeah mm-hmm. and um when she didn't show up you know even more so our hearts were broke
0: doug i have you here so i don't want to i don't want to show a video of you yeah. but basically what you guys go through is what we were just talking about. A victimology. You're trying to find out as much as you can about Jalissa, and you're soliciting facts from her family. She has a great family. I mean, they're so resolute. And um, I believe that she went missing August seventh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's almost five weeks now, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, al- al- almost the same, same day as Kylie Rodney did. You know, uh, so it's been it's been quite a while. Um, her cell phone last pinged in the foothills. Uh, just, uh, what is it, northeast of Selma, California. It's a mountain range. There's two lakes there in that immediate vicinity. Family was really concerned about it. Uh, the mayor, the chief of police, and the sheriff's department were really concerned about it. Uh, we were able to come in and rule that out. Uh, and the second we were done, uh, they announced you know, a, a really big criminal investigation because now there's no what ifs. Uh, she, she's not, in, she's, she's not in those hills. She's but not in Both the of those
1: lakes are cleared, Doug. Both? Yeah. Fine? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Flat uh, and avocado. Okay. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah. So we were, we were able to clear those two, uh, waterways and, um, you know, now they're focusing on somebody that took her. Is this human trafficking, sex trafficking, some type of random sicko that's done an abduction. Um, you know, Jalissa, her she there's someone close in her family uh several months prior that was abducted by a sex trafficker and they released 5 weeks later um so this is possibly the same scenario um but we know she's not out there in those hills and you know somebody's done something somebody probably still has her and you know now millions of people know her story that didn't know her story so it's a, it's a completely different ballgame now for law enforcement when it comes to their investigation.
0: You know, Doug, that's exactly what we were talking about before. You enabled them by eliminating uh, those bodies of water, by mm-hmm. clearing them and searching them, and they cleared the hills, that now they can look, well, not that they didn't look at it right from the beginning, but now they're more focused on the criminal case. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this could possibly be a human trafficking and actually out and out kidnapping of this young girl.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And unfortunately it's, uh, this is a really tragic and common occurrence in the, the black Hispanic and native American and Alaskan communities. Cause you never hear these stories. Um, you know, if, if, if I would have never been outspoken in regards to this case, um, not many people would know about it um there's these type of organizations specifically target disadvantaged communities uh, because they know they're working with broken homes um not a lot of exposure is going to be put onto it and uh, you know i'm not trying to bring race into this or uh, but unfortunately the media in itself will as we know as we just saw will cover a young beautiful blonde-haired blue-eyed young lady more so than you know all the others, and that's just media. It's unfortunate, um, and it's not done purposely. It's just, it's just, it's just the way that crookie com- crumbles. As much as I don't agree with it, um, but this this particular case, and then now millions of people know about it, and um, we're really hopeful that somebody's gonna either let her go or come forward and with some something that'll help law enforcement find her. You well, know, you these-
0: absolutely helped to shine a light on it. And that, that helps a great deal is that now her picture is out there. You know, it seems like her family is not going to give up. They're going to be, uh, they're going to keep, yeah. you know, they're resolute. They're going to keep going until they find this young lady. And, uh, look, I know that this isn't just a problem in, um, Selma, California, uh, human trafficking is a problem all over this country. Uh, I remember when I was teaching college, some guy came in from uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a, a detective from there, and he was trying to recruit. And he says one of our biggest problems is human trafficking, and I was like, Myrtle Beach—that's wow. one of the biggest problems in Myrtle Beach. I was shocked.
2: Man, yeah, so you that's, know these, that's a really beautiful area too.
1: Yeah, th- th- these human traffickers will target, uh, you know, let's say a minority community or people that don't uh, aren't legal citizens in the country because they tend not to call the police and stuff. So again, that's why they're talking to people like that. You know, Doug, maybe you might know more than we know from the little research that I did on this case, but um, you know, she was at the party till like after three in the morning. Then there's a period of time she goes to that AM PM gas station. Then there's video surveillance supposedly of her coming back into the town. And they don't, they're not really clear about the time on that. Maybe five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning. And, and then, uh, I think it was when the grandmother goes to church in the morning is that's when they realize that she's missing. But me as an investigator, my questions would be, and I, my focus would be what happened at that party? Who did she leave with? If she left with someone, was there some kind of, uh, text messages on her phone that, uh, maybe she was going to meet someone. I want to eliminate anybody being, uh, you know, uh, at the party that she may have left with or maybe she was going to meet someone before we get into the human trafficking area of of what we're talking about, you know? So Mm -hmm. is there any other information that you might know, uh, that we haven't reported on or or hasn't been reported publicly in the media?
2: No, no, man. Um, you know, she, I believe it was like four Oh six ish AM when she was leaving the gas station. Right. Um, She tried to call her sister at three something on FaceTime. Her sister was sleeping unfortunately um so that fell on deaf ears and uh she went to the gas station about 45 minutes later and then uh 5 24 she made another facetime call to her sister but so we have four four o'clock ish to 5 24 there's an hour and 25 minute there window where in that hour span her car was coming back into town on camera but when she, when that call come to her came, went into her uh, sister at five twenty four, it was from out in the foothills. Um, so, is that cell phone has that really been analyzed correctly? The way it was broken down to me didn't really sound like it had really been um, successfully triangulated enough because it, it was like covering a twenty mile area. Um, you know, for Fresno Did you County. That said, call
1: at five twenty six, Doug.
2: No. No, she, her sister was she still. Didn't answer. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: the, the way cell phone technology works, I, I'm not 100% on this, but you could be far from a cell tower and it still hits that cell tower. So I don't know if, like you said, if there would have been a connection to the phone, in other words, if someone would have answered her call, that would have gave a more direct uh, location as to where she was when the call was made. However, if the call is not picked up, it could be hitting a cell tower that could be a distance away. I don't know about 20 miles, but it could be, uh, yeah. not that close to the location. Now, again, are they 100% sure that it's her coming back into town or a vehicle too? I guess that's yet to be determined.
2: Um, you know, I, I, in learning that I didn't know that prior to coming to town. Um, so that was a very alarming thing that I had to really like clear up with, uh, authorities, you know, so I was able to speak with, uh, chief Alcarez and, um, we were able to determine that that was prior to the last phone transmission that was out in the foothills. Um, they were confident that it was her in her vehicle, although they're not 100% mm-hmm. uh, because that was my thing. All right. All right. Chief, what do we know? Do is it, we know this is her vehicle, but do we know if it was her driving or do we suspect it not being her? I'm here as a resource. Let me know. Do I need to be out in these foothills or do I need to be here in town? And we were able to accurately discern that this was before the last cell phone tr- transmission out there. So that let, let, let me know that I needed to be out there. And then I was like, well, look, you, you know, I know you gotta play it close to the vest, but a- am I going out here to look for a car? Or am I coming out here to look for a body? And, uh, th- they were confident that if her and her car, if they're out there, you know, would, it would be her and her car, which led me to believe that they were confident she was still driving the vehicle. Um, Obviously, it's an open investigation, so certain details couldn't be shared. Um, But, you know, like I said, we were able to get out there and uh, rule that out. And, you know, within 72 hours, they announced that they were, you know, full swing criminal investigation and looking into um, some other investigative things. Uh, There's got to be something there. You know, a beautiful 22-year-old young lady just doesn't fall off the face of the earth and fall off the face of the earth with her vehicle. Something happened. Absolutely. What yeah. happened, you know? Uh, so,
0: British Chippy, thank you for the eight ninety nine super chat. Thank you for your time, Doug, and thank yeah. you all the adventures with purpose for the work you do for humanity. Love you, Phil and Bill. I'm glad you kept thank you included us in there too. <laughs> we would have got thank jealous. You. But
2: uh, thank you, British Chippy. I really yeah. appreciate I, we, it. And we
0: love we love that name by the way, British Chippy. That's a <laughs> that's a, that's a great screen name, folks. This is police off the cuff, real crime stories. If you're not subscribed to us. Go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. It's free to subscribe. If you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And if you want to join our YouTube family, we have five different levels of our YouTube family. Our guest tonight is Doug Bishop from Adventures with Purpose. Exciting, exciting life he's living. I mean, even though you know, you're know you doing God's work, you're doing dangerous work, it's, I would imagine you like going to work every day.
2: You know, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. It's really powerful in providing answers to, you know, for families and law enforcement agencies. Uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot to that. So I'm always very eager to get back to it. We actually leave here in about a week or so, and, um, we're leaving with two teams, not one, but two teams. So, uh, Jared has put us, the community has put Jared in the position to put us in the position. To hopefully have twice the results in half the time moving forward now, that's our goal you know as many families as we can help possible that's our that's what our our purpose is focused on and uh, you know we're we're really really you know always eager to be out and helping families it's it's really hard to turn it off as you guys know you guys are seasoned you know they were re- retired and you you can't turn it off, it never leaves that your
1: adrenaline sleep. starts flowing you alone. You
2: no, know, know,
0: I, I remember times when I'd come home from not sleeping for three days and I couldn't go to sleep. Because you ever been too tired that you can't sleep? It.
2: Yes, 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 I have.
0: Yeah. But people some people won't understand that, but we understand oh. it. You so say you're just yeah. too tired you can't sleep.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you get that that you, you just get stuck in that, you know, that adrenaline that it's a zone. You know that you're in and it's it's really hard to turn that off but um it's an honor it re- really it is to be able to use my lifelong experience and with within the towing industry now now i'm dealing with cars underwater you know it's, it's 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 really i guess it's really meant to be you know
0: you know the guys that we used to uh, uh, on the nyp that nypd that worked emergency service they were always taught that being a rescuer is uh, not just a calling, but it's a privilege. You are privileged to be able to save someone else's life, and I believe that too. You know, to to a certain extent, you're privileged. Yeah, you're putting your life on the line, but guess what? There's no bigger prize than saving someone else's life.
2: You know. Right. Right. Ab- absolutely. And and it's the same thing with that Same concept. You know, where are when when we find someone, we are we are removing decades of pain from families of not knowing um, as humans we are are, are you know we're, we're, we're calculated to deal with processing depth whether the death is foul play accidental or it's you know something else as long as we know, we can process that as a human and move forward. but when we lose somebody that's close to us or that we care about and we don't know, we're not programmed that way you know and that's a that's a nightmare and you know when we when we find family members you know it's um it's it's the words can't accurately describe what uh, what it is that we're able to provide them it's it's powerful and the detectives that are working these cases you know you go in you come in and you solve a case that a detective has you know spent his whole life working and hasn't been able to solve and you're able to solve it like that's That's so powerful for that detective, you know, we, I can't, I can't count how many cases that I've been a part of where um, that original detective isn't no longer on the force and that phone call is made to that detective like, hey, Bruce, this case, you remember this case, it just got solved. And like to to hear a detective break down, you know, and he's, you never lose that, you know, everybody that we find, it means a lot but it's the, it's the people that we can't find that stay with me. You know, it's the, it's the cases that I can't solve that all that always sticks with you. It does. I'm not sure if anybody can relate to that. If you guys can.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: It's the, it's the the ones you can't solve. It's the one I can't find that that really, really messes with me.
1: Doug, I always tell people that as a, uh, an investigator assigned to a homicide. Now, uh, you talk about having the privilege you have the privilege that you have to get justice for someone that's now dead been murdered. And I could be standing over a dead body in the morning. And by evening it's happened where I have the person that committed that crime now confessing. And I don't think there's any greater rush as a detective that you could get uh, knowing that you were standing over a dead body, probably scratching your head, trying to figure out who did this in the morning and most of the time, it's not that quick, but there have been cases where it's that quick. And now you have the person, you have the evidence, you've recovered the gun, whatever it is, and you have the person confessing to it. I don't think there's any greater feeling that you can have. And, you know, you, you when you get assigned to a, a homicide investigation, you, Bill and I always say it: we do God's work. You guys do God's work, uh, and you have a tremendous responsibility to try and get justice for that person. And you're doing it for the family, for the loved ones. That person's gone; they can't feel, uh, you know, the justice. But the family, and a lot of times, you you. Bring that uh, family, uh, justice to that family. And the unopened, I mean, the unsolved cases are the ones that stay with you. There's a couple in my history that I worked on that till this day, I, I try to stay plugged into, even though I'm retired, because I have great uh, knowledge on the case and I, I kind of know what direction it was going in. However, they still remain, uh, there's two particular ones that still remain unsolved and uh, it does trouble you a little bit, but uh, I guess you have to uh, feel good about the ones that you did uh, solve or make the recovery on.
0: Yeah. You know, Doug, where um, do you ever get requested to go to um, foreign countries? Uh,
2: We've, we've had a lot of requests um, and it's something that I can say is what you would call on our vision board. Uh, You know, it's just, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, the growth getting us there. Um, It's definitely, look, our goal, Jared's goal is to help as many people as possible, as many families, as many agencies as possible. Um, But, you know, we're in a grand scheme of things working on a shoestring budget. Um, you know the donations that come in and and the, the you know are you know if you buy a hat and you know we're expanding as we're able to do so and when the time comes whether it's funding from the public or funding from the government or another country we definitely will make that leap um, it's only a matter of time really really it is
0: you know it's amazing how important uh your work is and it's like When you talk about what things get publicly funded and what doesn't, it's the politics of it is just just the study of
1: grasshoppers will get uh, funded. But something like uh, Adventures with Purpose, which is obviously uh, very, very professional and obviously they've produced results. Uh, hopefully we could get some funding from the government for you guys in
2: the future. Yeah, you know, and it's, and I, I, I fully, I won't, I won't rule that out. And I, I could say that, you know, I would expect that coming down the pipeline. It's uh, just, you know, respect is earned. It really, it is, but you know, l- law enforcement all over is really encouraged by us. And as we're traveling across the country, it's breathtaking and it's really humbling to be stopped by law enforcement representative after law enforcement representative that takes their time to come out, shake our hands, take a picture with us and explain to us how much of an inspiration we are to them. Um, there's a lot of people that are watching, a lot of eyes on us. And, you know, the recent success is beautiful. And it, and it's really coming full circle with that. And I, I, I expect a lot of law enforcement involvement. Uh, I'm in talk with the FBI now. I know about uh, certain aspects in order for us to be a resource for them. Uh, you know, and then there's you know several states that have stepped up and, and want to learn from what what it is that we do. And there's a lot that's coming. It's 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 grown. If if you if you're familiar with where we came from and where we are now, there's so much growth and involvement over the last few years. That uh, hats off to Jared and his family for you know always making sure that this is evolved and that we're growing. The purpose is growing and we're a vessel of the community. We really, truly are a vessel of the community. We're community funded, community driven. We get our cases, majority of them from the community. We do have detectives that reach out to us and, and so forth. But, you know, we're just a, simply a truly a vessel of the community. It's beautiful because we're utilizing social media, the power of social media In a positive way and that's rare you know social media isn't known for being positive positivity and good deeds don't sell on social media they just it doesn't get you far but the whole world is supporting us and
0: uh, you know doug you're so right i mean we used to say not just social media but the power of even television i mean you put something on television and you're reaching millions and millions of people and now we have this new thing, well, it's new to us old guys here, uh, called social media that is is incredible. You know, it's incredible. I mean, we used to solve cases when people would brag about what they did on, on Facebook. You know, a guy would shoot somebody and he'd be bragging about it that night. You know, it's crazy. So, I mean, there's good and bad parts to it, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot, you know, we, we see a lot of... Um, Rumors being spread, unnecessary bullshit on it, but you know, I think the good outweighs the bad. Yeah, you know, it's just like, like you could find bad with television too, but overall, yeah. it's 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 a positive thing.
2: Oh, it is a- a- absolutely, you know, and 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 with, and 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 with you know the internet, like you mentioned, you know, you're gonna have people that spread rumors, or you're gonna have people that wanna criticize you and and all of that. But, you know, we don't, we don't entertain any of that. We know we understand that our body of work that we encompass and our character is always going to overshadow that, you know, 100% actions will always speak louder than words.
0: You know, Doug, a few people in the chat said to me, thank God you're retired. (laughs) I said, Oh, you're hurting my feelings. (laughs) You know, I've been shot at. So, you know, something, those words will not bother me, but uh, you know, like like, because because I uh, I look for science to prove something, not rumor and innuendo. You know, mm-hmm. I'll wait for the evidence to come back scientifically. Yeah. But a lot of people don't like that; they want to spread the rumors and just you know make yeah. up stuff. that's know?
2: just that's just a small side effect of the internet, and you know, un- unfortunately, it's a side effect of success as, as well. You know, the, the the more good you do in the world, you're gonna you're gonna create people that are uh, jealousy and envious and. And, and they're haters right on. And, and, right and, and, on. And, and so forth. So it's expected, but the overall, you know, the, the, what's coming on the internet with the sleuthing and the true, the, the, the trending uh, true crime community, I think it's beautiful. You know, you know, you might have, you know, a thousand podcasts going at once talking about the same thing and you know, some of them are just really radical and out of, you know, out of left field, but a lot of them, man, they're uncovering evidence and clues, and they're 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 really beating up those chairs to uncover stuff. And it's I, I there I think there's nothing but beauty in it, and there's a, there's power in it.
0: Well, you know, Doug, some of it also does keep law enforcement honest. Mm-hmm. It makes them do their job because again, they're shining a spotlight on it.
2: Yeah, but- I, I definitely can agree with that.
1: You, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy theorists on. YouTube and the crime drama shows that we do or the podcast that we do but you know there's something that comes with experience and a lot of times from our experience we could tell by the way a person's telling a story, whether or not it's believable or not. There's a lot of different things that raise red flags with us. And I'm sure same thing with you. When you're using your sonar equipment, you could see something down on the bottom and, and discern right away, well, that's not what we're looking for. And again, it's it's like you develop a sixth sense from experience. And that's what we try to do on this podcast is we try to stick to the facts. We try to stick to you know, our experiences in the past. And a lot of times... Uh, we're 100% correct. And then there's other times that we might not be on the right, uh, you know, not having access to the case folder, we might not be on the right track. But again, uh, leave it to the experts and leave it to the people that are professional in the, in the field. And I think that uh, that's what we try to do.
0: You know, Doug, I just got a nice little comment from Tuanda Sioux, California. I'm glad you were retired so we can have this show. Keep
2: trucking, nice nice that
1: was nice yeah the supreme commander rule you
0: get you get some nice comments every once in a while too but yeah you know
2: i mean you you got a lot of people that respect your show man you know credit credibility is everything you know once you lose credibility it doesn't matter what you've done you know you you can have a lot of success in your life but that one incident that that can destroy all your credibility and everything you've ever done because that's all anybody's ever going to remember you no, know, you know, like, Doug. I'm months.
0: gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna teach you a copism, and uh, this copism says um a thousand Attaboy's don't equal one ass yeah, yeah. shit. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> You've true. heard that one, right?
2: <laughs> yes, yes, I have. Yeah, I, actually, actually, J- Jared says that a lot. So,
0: oh, he does uh, say that. <laughs> oh, yeah,
2: yeah, that's, that's 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 a great saying. Uh, and and you a, know and, and, it, and it and it's and it's true. And it's true. You gotta you gotta you know you gotta be careful. You gotta be careful. In This day and age. And, you know, you're going to you're going to remember be remembered by your word in your character. And um, we really, really focus on it. We care about what we do. We really
1: no, do. obviously do. Of course you yeah. do. You, you know what, Doug? I like to give my opinion on things. And if somebody challenges what I'm saying in the chat, I love that because it's like being cross examined at a trial. You, yeah. If I say this is what I believe, you have something else, you have a differing opinion hit me with it. As long as you're being respectful and we can talk and we can uh, have a debate about it, that's fine. But a lot of times people say, well, it can't be this or it can't be that. Tell me why. And then they don't answer, you know? so. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I really take it as a challenge being mm-hmm. when, when someone challenges what I say, because I'm not a hundred percent on everything. I can't be in, nobody's perfect. But uh, so uh sometimes if somebody challenges you, that challenge might lead you right to the suspect or what it is you're looking for, you know? So again, I love, I love,
2: yeah, I I love, uh, you know, common sense, fair criticism because there's something to learn. There's something to learn there. Okay. Uh, You know, we don't know it all. What is your, what what do you have to say? Well, what can be better? Or what are we doing wrong? How can we grow? It's not, there's no, there's no chips on any shoulders here because I'm a sponge. I will absorb it. If I can absorb it and be better or learn something to be more efficient, uh, bring it on. Uh, cause th- at the end of the day, our goal is to help. And, um, you know, I, th- I think us being humble, going out of our way to be humble really, uh, is always going to get us further than, you know, being known as guys that, uh, you know, aren't humble. You, you, you keep your ears open and your eyes open. Um, and, and I'm, I'm more of a, I t- tell this to people, but I'm an introvert, so I'm always listening. I'm always observing. Um, so it's, it, I'm. I'm a sponge at all times so if you want to criticize criticize but there's a fine line be careful because if you're going to criticize us unfairly understand that you know the whole world supports us so you know make sure that if you're going to put yourself out there you know have something to back it up all right have something that makes sense uh bring something to the table that's going to better us with this criticism um because we're we're good guys trying to do really good things in the world so you know if you're not you know, their our supporters definitely going to let you know about it.
0: Criticize at your own peril, Phil. Get through this
1: quick. Um- <laughs>
0: You know, Doug, I just want to thank you for so much for coming on the show tonight. I mean, I, we, we, we sort of spoke about some different things more generically. We didn't uh, mm-hmm. sort of concentrate on one case. And I think that's good. We got to know you better. And, and, and really uh, I just want to say, God bless you because um, you really do God's work. And I mean that, I really truthfully mean that. Uh, thank you. Thank you. That it's means unbelievable. That- and you know, I'm not a bullshit artist and I mean what I say. And um, you know, it's I understand how hard the work you do is too. And I'm not I don't mean just hard physically, I mean for your head. PTSD type hard, you know, mm-hmm. which I always say all of us cops, we did 20, 25, 27 years I did. We all have a touch of PTSD, you know, and uh I wear it as a badge of honor, you know. And every yeah. once in a while it comes out, and you know, but hey. We saw some horrendous things in our days, you know, and and you will, you have, and you will continue to see some horrendous things. And it's how strong you are and how strong of a family life you have that helps you get over that stuff and get you to live a normal, happy life, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. We, It's definitely tough, but it's perspective. No matter what you're doing in life, no matter where you're at in life, no matter who you are, it's perspective. Your perspective begins and ends right between these two ears. So you can make life is harder than it needs to be. You can make it easier than it needs to be. Um, so, you know, even though we are dealing with tough things, we focus on the positivity that comes from what we're able to do. The families we're helping, you know, the detectives and agencies that we're helping close cases. And it's there's that's positive. It's really easy, like I said, to, to have a bad perspective and this affect an individual in a certain way regardless I know everything has a due date you know w- w- no matter what we're doing we're filling our cup up with it so it's in it's in us no matter what but it's also uh, up to us to control that perspective and we're really good at that
0: Doug I love that you know you you you're Without knowing you, you're you're, um, you're spewing out copisms. Everything has an expiration date. You're sure, you know, <laughs> that,
1: that, it's true. It's, so it's like talking to another cop. It really but is. It, it's ah. true. It, it's so true. You know. You know. You know what, Doug? One quick thing. Uh, a little tip about PTSD. Uh, I've been through a lot of things. Bill's been through a lot of things. We were at Ground Zero on 9-11. That alone is probably uh, takes up a lot of the space in PTSD. PTSD in my brain. But I think the key to it was being able to uh, talk about it, Uh, get it off your chest, whatever it is. This goes for anybody that's watching. Uh, When you suffer something traumatic and it doesn't have to be personal to you, you find a dead body that could be traumatic. So again, uh, when you take that in, it has to be released. That's the way it's been explained to me. You have to release it somehow and everybody releases it differently. For me personally, uh, just saying it was on my mind at different times. I didn't do it right away. Uh, But after I retired, I I went for some therapy and stuff. And uh, it seemed to really help a lot. So again, you're going to be exposed to some things that are going to be traumatic in nature. Uh, You know, just do the best you can. Like you said, you have your your purpose, you have your agenda and uh, you're able to deal with it. If it should ever creep up on you, don't uh, hesitate to call either Bill or I or anyone around you that you want to speak to. Uh, that usually is pretty helpful.
2: Yeah, I, I appreciate the the advice and wisdom.
1: And
0: again, Doug, uh, I'm gonna end the show now. I, I know you've been on shows and you probably get you're probably ODing from being on podcasts, but I really thank you for coming on tonight. You're a fantastic guest. I think this was a fantastic show tonight. All you folks listening tonight and part of the uh, police off the cuff family, thank you. God bless
1: you and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks, Doug, and everybody stay safe.
2: Likewise. just